And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeremy Miller. Everyone, I'm Brad Keston. And my name is Jenny Wiltzman. This is Stacey Heather Tolkien. Hi, my name is Angela Lee Sloan, also known as the voice of Lucy. The voice of Charlie Brown. The voice of Sally Brown. It's Peppermint Patty. The voice of Linus on Peanuts. Derek Mackey with Cool Water Productions LLC and Sam Mason are bringing you the first virtual live autograph signing event ever. This is your chance to add our autographs to your collection. We have pictures, Funko Pops, Super 7 figures, private one-on-one -on -one video chats, and a group panel. You can find all the information on any of our social media pages just by searching at Peanuts Reunion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can actually also order tickets to our October 10th two-part event on inhouse-con.com. The first part of the event will be the one-on-one -on -one video chats and Peanuts panel hosted by Derek Mackey from 12 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. Then you can go over to our Facebook page and watch us sign your items live hosted by Sam Mason. We also have a, uh, a mail-in service where you can send in your items and have them signed by us. Or you can buy one or more of our items that we have for pre-sale. Starting now! The pre-sale items are limited in number, so get yours today. Brad Keston, voice of Charlie Brown. Sally Brown. This is Linus. So, join us October 10th. We can't wait to see you there, and thanks so much. And I'd like to thank you for being a Peanuts fan. Thanking you for being a Peanuts fan. I'd really like to thank you for being a Peanuts fan. This is Peppermint Patty, and I would like to thank you for being a Peanuts fan. My public life is an American nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. Welcome to this special Thursday edition of the show. If you stopped in last week, you probably are not last week, but yesterday. I'm, I'm used to referring to a previous show in the previous week, but we are throwing out two shows for you this week. Well, yesterday, uh, I sat down with a, a good friend of mine, uh, Kyle Dobbs. I've known him for, gosh... Uh, 20, well, 25, 26 years. He was saying 1993, but I didn't get to Mojave High School until 1994. So he was off by a year. Uh, so about 26 years and we sat down and we talked and, and we reminisced. Uh, right now it's kind of an ongoing thing, uh, that I bring in a friend, at least one friend per season that we can sit down and talk. I know like season, well, season one was only two episodes. It was just kind of to see what would happen. And season two, I brought in Mario Martinez. Season three, I brought in Stephanie Barney. And then season four, now, uh, I brought in Kyle Dobbs. So, you know, we've, we've got it covered. I, I just want to make sure that, you know, uh, we, we get all that. I get some running trend. So I'll, I'll have to figure out who I'm going to bring in next time or next season. Yes, I'm already talking about next season. That's a that's a plus. But we are only into episode six, which means we still got like what twenty one more weeks before <laughs> the end of season four. All right, gang. So let me go ahead and uh, let's see. Today is Thursday, October first, twenty twenty, and that I can think of. There is really no housekeeping that I can think of off the top of my head. The open contract challenge is over. The submissions for the Zombie Works anthology is over. Uh, let's see what else. We are waiting. Now we've got a week left to find out who wins member of the month for the World of Myth. Uh, if you are a reader, a literary reader, you can go to theworldofmyth.com and you can check it out. But the only thing that I ask is we don't get paid. It's a free magazine. The way that we get paid is in your clicks. And I'm not like clicking on the button, not like a sponsorship kind of click. We we want to know how we did. 
So you read the story, you look at the artwork, you look at the poetry, you look at the re well, the reviews you don't read, but you look at the story, the artwork, and the poetry. Down at the bottom, there's some stars. You click on it, one to five. That's that's how we like it. That's all we ask for free entertainment. All right, so let's see. Where do I want to go? So I could talk about The Rock officially uh, endorsing um, Joe Biden. And, uh, you know, everybody has their own choice. I'm okay with that. Uh, if, if he feels like Joe Biden is the right person, I am totally okay with that. But I am going to publicly announce that I will endorse the following Okay, this is a big endorsement. I am endorsing the following. I am endorsing Freddy Krueger actor Robert England as he launches his Nightmare Blend of Coffee. That is right. I endorse the Nightmare Blend Coffee by Robert England. There you go. Go run that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Everybody was like, <gasps> you would you win? No, yeah, no. Sorry. All right, uh, let's see. That is actually the title of our first article. Freddy Krueger actor Robert England launches his nightmare blend of coffee. And I will say I am going to buy some. There is no ifs, no ands, no buts. I drink coffee on a daily basis. And you know what? Halloween, this is this is October. This is Halloween month, you know? And, and if I know people that... You know, as soon as it's almost like uh, December, you know, as December hits is Christmas from Christmas to the end of De Christmas, December to the end of December is Christmas for a person. I know people like that in Halloween, you know, first of October to October 31st. It's Halloween. The whole freaking month is Halloween. So, all right, let's go ahead and take a look at what this article says. And it says, this Halloween, Robert England and Dead Sled Coffee are rolling out Robert England's Nightmare Blend, a new coffee developed with input from England and themed to his best-known role, that of Freddy Krueger in The Nightmare on Elm Street. England's blend is the latest in a series of licensed horror-themed blends themed around Vampirella. Vincent Price, and Bella Lugosi. The pre-order period of England's Nightmare Blend launches today and runs... Uh, let's see. When does it run? Sorry. It runs two, for two weeks until October 12th. There you go. And while the coffee itself will be available after that point, pre-order bundles include exclusive merch... Think of it as like a Kickstarter exclusive throw-ins you can get for ordering early. Robert England's Nightmare Blend pre-order bundle includes two bags of coffee, a limited edition baseball-styled shirt, a limited edition mug, as well as other small exclusives like stickers and magnets. Per the official site for the pre-order bundle, one of the two bags of coffee that you will receive is an exclusive to that bundle itself. That would be what we're calling the Blue Door bag that features Robert's looking out the window and his iconic front door. Okay, that's cool. The particular bag designed will never be available again. <laughs> that's cute. Here's how the coffee itself. Okay, this is what I want to know. Is the coffee good? I just endorsed it. It has to be good. <laughs> okay, it says, hey, it will keep you up and thus safe from any kings of nightmares you may encounter, he describes. Robert England's Nightmare Blend is a perfect blend of high-quality, single-origin, Rotusta Vietnamese coffee and a blend of carbaca beans from South America, all which are grounded down to a Turkish-style grain. Okay, that's, that's really a whole bunch thrown in there. The Robusta coffee is a traditional bean from Vietnam and has nearly twice the caffeine as the carbica bean. They finally grind... The ground blend of Vietnamese, Robista, and South American blend allow not only a bold flavor, but a naturally stronger caffeine content so you'll stay awake. 
and stay safe from the king of nightmares. That's actually really clever, I think, because he's everybody knows he's talking about Freddy Krueger, but he's not actually saying Freddy Krueger. Uh, let's see. Customers who pre-order the bundle will also be entered into a contest. England will sign 50 of the Blue Door bags, and there will be 50 Golden Ticket-style hologram stickers that say, You're a winner. So, if you get the sticker in your bag, you can redeem it for a signed bag. And a replica Nightmare Glove. Oh, sweet. From Enders Erickson of Nightmare Gloves. Be careful, the blades are actually sharp. The bundle will start shipping in a few weeks after October 12th. Pre-orders made addresses in the United States will qualify for free shipping. There you go. So not only do you find out that I endorse the coffee, we find out that if you are in the United States, USA, 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 sorry Canadian listeners, that you will get free shipping uh you know all right so if you're somebody that listens to this show on a regular basis you're probably wondering where does that fit well that didn't fit that was actually a little bit of extra news uh for the simple fact that i will legitimately be buying the nightmare blend of coffee uh my brother-in-law aaron had posted on facebook and i was like omg Get in my belly. And I had to share it with all of you. Uh, so if you are brand new to the show, first let me welcome you to my public life as an American nerd. It is basically that. It is me being public about being a nerd. Uh, I like comic books. I like video games. Well, I like old school video games. I'm not really big into the new stuff. Semi. Um, I like cartoons. I like movies. I like anime. I collect horror action figures, Um, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, I'm a publisher, I'm a podcaster, I've done a little bit of producing uh, as far as movie-wise, I've directed, Uh, I've had a a very nice, uh, exciting life. I, I wouldn't say it was prosperous, but it's been exciting. So I come to you and I, I bring all this and every Wednesday, now this is an extra because like I said in the beginning of the show, I did a interview set down with a, a good friend of mine and we didn't tackle any of this. So now I'm back here on Thursday to cover this. And usually what I do per show is I cover a movie topic, a television topic, a cartoon topic, a comic book topic, and then we close out the week with Toy of the Week. And I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I showed, uh, one of my friends, I was like, Hey, you want to sneak peek at the toy of the week? And I showed them they loved it. It was great. I can't wait to get to that point. Okay. So let's go ahead and jump back into the show as we get into the movie news. Uh, I know that a lot of things are going on. Uh, I know what is it? D3s, D23 or something like that. It's the Disney one. I don't know what they're called. Um, they are getting ready to gear up, you know, they're equivalent to uh, what DC did. But right now, there's a lot of promotion because, of course, The Mandalorian Season 2 is coming out. And like Division, they're talking about Division coming out soon and all this other stuff. But the thing that they decided, and which leads me into this week's topic is Black Widow's move to 2021 makes F9's early year-long delay look genius. Now, how do I explain this? Okay, let me just read the article, and then then I'll, I'll get into it, because I think we need to talk about the article first before I can get into the meat and potatoes of it. Black Widow's change release date makes Universal's decision to push F9 by the entire year from start to seem like a great call. Now, uh, yeah, I'll keep going. <laughs> when the pandemic began and the movie theaters closed, many films were forced to postpone 
release dates. However, no delay was extreme as Fast F9, Fast and Furious 9, highly anticipated next chapter in the Fast and Furious franchise, which was pushed back an entire year. At that time, that seemed like a dramatic move. But now, after multiple delays, Black Widow's new premiere date is a year later than original Target released. Universal Studios, the studio behind Fast and Furious 9, looks incredibly smart for its preemptive actions. The blockbuster, the 2020 blockbuster movie season, has already and mostly been wiped out due to the reality of COVID-19. Even as it be became more and more evident that the pandemic wouldn't be resolved within the year, many studios were hesitant to make a big leap like Universal's, resulting in delays of films such as Black Widow, Wonder Woman 1984, which were already and had a fair share of delays to begin with. These constant delays have continuously frustrated fans looking forward to seeing the movies, like myself. Um, you know, and, and like I took the entire family when we went and seen 1984. 1984. Good God, when we seen uh, Wonder Woman, the very first Wonder Woman with uh, Gal Gadot, and now my kids, my girls are older. You know, Zoe's nine and. And Lily's five, so I, I was looking forward to getting, you know, having them watch it. But you know, it's it's, uh, you know, well, I have to look in. Maybe it'll say here in a little bit further. But you know, wow, a whole another year. We'll see what it says. Okay, uh, let's see. Frustrated fans looking forward to seeing these movies, any of whom no longer trust that the newest date will stick. Uh, yeah, I think it'll stick, to be honest with you. What was great about Universal's decision to delay the release of F9, or Fast and Furious 9, an entire year from the get-go was that fans knew when to expect it, and still know. Even if the wait is long, there is little frustration, only excitement. The, cinema, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and DC's Extended Universe probably should have followed Universal's lead from the start considering how everything has played out since. The constant delays around Black Widow, Wonder Woman 1984, have placed the focus more around when they'll be released rather than the movie themselves. F9 doesn't have that problem, considering Black Widow's constant delays eventually resulting in a release date almost exactly a year after it would have been released had the pandemic never happened. Hindsight shows that a year delay from the start would, would have been a better move. The constant delays and the lack of blockbusters in general muffles the excitement surrounding these films. The conversation surrounding Black Widow's latest delay proves that having one long delay like F9, even if it seems extreme at the time, is the better approach. All the delays create a false sense that 2020 would have been more blockbuster than it did, leading to a huge disappointment when 2020 basically had none. Well, you know... That's just that's what are you what are you gonna do? I mean, we're still in a pandemic. I I just I don't know. I mean, I do get that. I get that sincerely. Uh, that was a really bold move on Universal, but you have to approach it in a business aspect, I think, and to you know put hundred million dollar movies off an entire year you know i don't know it just isn't I, I i to me i don't think they did the wrong thing as far as like uh marvel disney or uh warner brothers and dc i i don't think it was a bad move i don't think it was a bad business move uh i see where this article's coming from but 
in a business sense, I don't think it was a bad move. All right, jumping back into the article, it says, The studios that constantly delay their films now seem foolish since almost none of their blockbusters ended up releasing in 2020. The cautious approach only resulted in various stories focused on delays, which have in turn created an atmosphere of frustration and mistrust in each new release date. Universal was smart to recognize that Fast and the Furious 9 wouldn't be able to release in 2020 early on, and its decision to delay the movie by an entire year was, and is still, a great call. Now, okay, this is... This is only a great call. I'm just being honest. This is only a great call because it's it worked out for them. Okay. Now, if if things would have opened up in June, that would have not been a great call. But just it worked for their it worked in their favor is what I'm trying to say. Um. But, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, and I thought it was a good article. Okay, let's head over to TV news. Um, you know, I, I received a few emails uh, concerning Dustin Diamond. Uh, last week, I think I mentioned it, and I'm pretty sure Stephanie Barty mentioned it on uh, Lupa's Bits, I believe. And I've, I've received a couple since today, and, um, you know, there, there's still an interest for Saved by the Bell. And I remember being a kid and watching Saved by the Bell, and, you know, I liked them. I mean, I was a kid. You know, I, I, I dug what they were putting out. I, I even watched a couple of their movies. Yeah. <laughs> that was a... Kind of a tough one, even back then. Okay, so that actually leads me to my next article, which covers the TV info, and that is Save by the Bell Revival Premiere Date Announced. Mm-hmm. This is true, ladies and gentlemen. Fans are excited to the return of the halls of Bayside High and the new Save by the Bell series. And now we have a release date for the anticipated series. The new Save by the Bell, which brings back some of the original cast and introduces fans to a whole new crew of students, will hit Peacock on November 25th. That means we don't have much longer of a wait to see AJ or AC Slater... Jesse Sapano, and yes, Zach Morris. After the series that made them worldwide phenomenons, though they aren't the same people we left all those years ago when fans catch back up to them again in the new series. More. <laughs> oh, goodness. Sorry, I just I saw that and it just made me laugh. Morris is actually the governor of California these days, and it's his decision to shutter too many underfunded high schools that launched the series. The students affected by the decision are sent to the most well-funded school in the state, Bayside, and this will give the privileged kids that go there the same reality regarding how life is outside those common walls. Elizabeth Barkley Lauren and Mario Lopez will reprise their characters and while Mark Paul Galasser I, I know who it is, I just don't know how to pronounce his name, isn't listed as a regular, we do expect some appearances through the series. You can find the official description below. Okay, you guys ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. Thanksgiving Get saved by the bell. The highly anticipated. Nah, that's that's too that's too dark, huh? <clears throat> okay, let's let's try another one. Let's let's try my prime time voice. Thanksgiving, get saved by the bell. 
the highly anticipated reimagining of Saved by the Bell will premiere on Wednesday, November 25th on Peacock. And the new series, when California Governor Zach Morris gets into hot water for closing too many underfunded high schools, he proposes to send the students... I'll see. What? Sorry, let me try that again. He, propose, he proposes to send the affected students to the most well-funded school in the state, including Bayside High. The influx of new students gives the privileged Bayside High kids who never had a problem that can't be solved in 22 minutes, a much-needed dose of reality. Elizabeth Barkley Lauren and Mario Lopez star in the new Saved by the Bell series, reprising their roles as Jesse Soprano and A.J. Slater. John Michael Higgins also starts stars as Principal Todman, alongside the new class featuring Belmont... Kamari, Dexter Darren, Mitchell Hogg, Alicia Pina, Jose, no, Josie Ta, Tracy Windsors as the writer, executive producer for the series, alongside executive producer Franco Barrio, Peter Angelino also serves as executive producer. Saved by the Bell is produced by Universal Television, a division of the Universal Group. Saved by the Bell hits Peacock on November 25th. Are you excited for Saved by the Bell? The Revival. Alright, no, I don't know. <laughs> I will definitely, I'm gonna, I won't lie, I will probably watch the very first episode, and depending on how bad I'm expect, I expect it to be bad. I really do. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I do expect it to be really bad, but I'm going to watch the very first episode, and I will base it off of that. Because, you know, people my age, you know, the the Gen Xers, basically, um, the ones, well, like, I'm 43, so... You know, in that round, in the 70s kids, basically. You know, the ones that were popped out in the 70s. We all kind of grew up with Saved by the Bell. And I'm curious. I'm curious to to see how they look. I mean, the last time... Well, that's not true because, what, AJ... Or I keep saying AJ. It's AC. AC Slater. Um, he is on, what, Extra? And he still looks like the same person from back then. And then uh, Jessie, I can't think of her name, Elizabeth something, uh, she was flopping around in water in uh, Showgirls in the 90s. I remember that. Um, I don't know what, what, you know, what was it? Lisa Turtle? I don't know. And I'm sure you probably also noticed that they did not mention uh, Dustin Diamond Screech to come back for this one. So... Uh, sorry, you know, to hear about that because I, it, it will be a limited return of the, the cast. Uh, so not everybody will be there, but, uh, I, I'll, I will give it a good, honest watch. And that, that was a shout out to the old madhouse days. I'll give it a good, honest watch. And, um, if it's worth coming back and watching a second episode, I'll watch a second episode. But I'm not... I don't have my, my hopes up for it. I just don't. And uh, I hope they, I hope they don't really make it too political. Uh, because, you know, it could fall in line because Zach Morris always was kind of like the instigator of issues in the original series. So him... I can kind of see him being a politician, um, but yeah, no, nah. <laughs> I'll keep my personal thoughts to myself. Um, I, just, I just hope it's not too much. I hope it's enjoyable, and I don't. We'll find out if it's it's being because okay, you're bringing back some of the original cast. So obviously you're reaching for the demographics like myself that watched it as a kid. Um, so I, I hope that they can do that. They can achieve that. And 
maybe keep it good enough for new people. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Okay, now we are going to move into my favorite, one of my favorite parts, for the simple fact that this week I get to say, I'm Batman, in the animated part of our segment here. Um, there's really no lead-in. It's just, uh, I'll hit you with it. Sorry, my mouth's getting dry. It says, Batman, death in the family, clip released. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Get ready to have a nerdgasm. On Tuesday, Warner Brothers Home Entertainment released a new clip from Batman, Death in the Family. The company's first ever venture into an interactive storytelling. In the clip, Jason Todd awakens from the beating he took at the hands of the Joker. He quickly turns against the other members of the Bat family. He runs off into the night and becomes the villain known as Hush. A fate hinted at in the original Batman Hush comic book that turned out to be a red herring foreshadowing Jason's later return as the masked vigilante called the Red Hood. You can watch the clip above. Now we may just watch it on our way out. Batman, Death in the Family, allows fans to choose where the story goes through navigation guided by the viewer's remote control. The extended short adapts the 1988 comic book story, Batman, A Death in the Family, by Jim Sterling and Jim Aparo. The event offered fans the opportunity to vote by telephone to determine whether Robin, the young Jason Todd, would live or die in the story's ending. The interactive Blu-ray presents multiple ways for viewers to tell the Batman Death in the Family story, with twists and turns in the middle and several possible endings. Batman Death in the Family is produced, directed, and written by Brandon Vanini, the animated story undoes the infamous murder of Batman's protege, Jason Todd, and the destiny of Batman, Robin, the Joker, play out in new ways as viewers can make choices throughout the story. Batman, under the Red Hood, where Jason Todd returns as the ruthless vigilante Red Hood, provides a baseline. The tale also branches into new directions and features several characters previously unseen in the original film. Batman Death in the Family is essentially a comic book come to life, the director said in an, the original announcement. We've paid homage to the 1988 interactive experience of DC's Death in the Family. Released by fans, a uh, release by giving fans a unique opportunity to create their own story through branching tools that can lead in multiple directions. The viewer gets a choice, these characters' path, and each choice paves an alternate future for all the characters and, ultimately, the story. From the very first navigation card, we wanted to give the audience an impression of what they're getting into but then also give them something unexpected. Maybe even something they'll regret. So they have to think twice about every future choice they make. Branched storytelling has to be stronger than just a gimmick of choices. It has to be rewarding and offer new and worthwhile insight into the characters. It needs to involve you and keep you searching for the next twist. So... We sought to subvert expectations and do something very different. Bruce Greenwood, the resident Star Trek and iRobot, and Vincent Marella, Phineas and Ferb, and John Young, which was Futurama and Time Adventures, 
reprise their Batman Under the Red Hood roles of Batman, young Jason Todd, and the Joker, respectively. The voice cast also includes Zira Frazel, Young Justice, and Tala Agul, and Gary Cole, Veep, S2's face, and Jim Gordon. DC Showcase, Batman, Death in the Family releases on Blu-ray and digital October 13th. Pre-orders are now on Amazon.com. So yeah, that's that's I don't know. I I've always been enthused by those type of uh shows. Um right now I was trying to pull this up but it's not letting me pull this up. Let me try it again here. Um I do apologize for that. It's not letting me pull this up. So I would say if you you are interested, go ahead and go to YouTube and you can check it out that way. Uh, for some reason, it's just I'm having te- technical difficulty with the website, so I do apologize. Yeah, it's not letting me do anything. Okay, so let's go ahead and keep the ball rolling since we are talking about the Batman. And we jump into the comic version of the show. Now... I when I first talked about issue one, I didn't even read it. Remember, uh, I came across it and I was like, "Oh, it sounds fascinating." I had to read it, and I read it and I loved it. And as of today, as I'm recording this, uh, no, that's not true. Yesterday, um, I bought issue two, and what I'm talking about is Batman. Three Jokers, number two. Preview brings the clown prince of crime to Siberia. Holy moly in a half shell. That was such an intense story. And if anybody that's read The Killing Joke, when you when you first think about it, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a wife, and she was pregnant with Joker's kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah you forgot about it because i forgot about it at first i was like what what's going on How? oh wait okay so let me go ahead and jump into this article real fast batman three jokers number two preview brings the clown prince of crime to suburbia and let's scroll down it says dc released a chilling preview of black label title batman three jokers number two by jeff johns and jason fabach and brad anderson now again i've actually read the comic book i read the entire thing so i might just throw in my two cents here and give you a spoiler alert in the process very possible okay here we go DC has released a preview for next week's Batman Three Jokers number two by Jeff Johns, Jason Fabok, and Brad Anderson. The preview sees Joker arrive in a quiet suburban neighborhood and enter a picturesque home. However, it quickly becomes clear he's not a welcome guest of the wife and child living there. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see what it, it says. Batman, Three Jokers, number two, written by Jeff Johns. Art and cover by Jason Fabok. Variant cover by Jason Fabok. One, one in 25 cover by To Be Denounced. To Be Denounced. Da, da, da. Uh, black label, 17 and up. Okay, yeah. Uh, and it cost 16.99. That was my only, like, eh. That kind of hurt the wallet for a comic book. Almost seven, well, seven bucks for a comic uh, it says, Batman and Batgirl follow an unexpected thread linking the three Jokers with someone from the Dark Knight's past. Red Hood dies headfirst into trouble and finds himself struggling to stay afloat without the aid of his allies. Batman Three Jokers continues the trajectory as the ultimate explanation of the Joker and his never-ending conflict with Batman. Prepare yourself for the second chapter of one of the most terrifying and personal mysteries Batman has ever faced. It is really good. It is super good. Um, 
One thing I do want to point out is that, um, I don't know, it's been a while now, but I, I still am very happy to see that Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger uh, just I'm, it makes me happy to see that somebody, you know, he's getting credit. Even though he's dead and gone, he doesn't know, at least he's getting credit. And that, that makes me happy. So it opens up, and it is a black and white of a house. Then next page is suburbia. suburbia. Essentially, you see the Joker's purple and green van pull up. Uh, he steps out. You don't think it's him, but you know it's him right away. He walks in the house, and he's like, honey, I'm home. <laughs> no? And um, then you find the wife, his wife, from Batman the Killing Joke. She's still around, and uh, she's a little she, – she's – how do I say this? She's not full Marvel. I'm Marvel. Um, yeah, there's something definitely wrong. Like years of, of not probably only uh, mental abuse, but probably physical abuse. You, you can only imagine. Um, and then he wants to see his kid. And the kid doesn't have a name, by the way. Uh, just hasn't thrown it out there yet. And he wants the Joker to leave. But, you know, she's like, get your ass down here or he's going to beat us both up kind of thing. So he does. Um, and it, it's, it's pretty intense. Uh, let's see. Does it have any more information? So what happens is, is that the last issue, if you've not, uh, okay. Uh, there's three jokers. They are all working together and they all hate Batman and they are all three different people. Um, and Jason Todd captures one of the Jokers in episode one and blows his brains out, okay? Now, you think, okay, well, what happens? Uh, that's where Batman and Batgirl come in. They're trying to track him down because Batgirl was a witness to him, and they're having this argument. They... They are looking for him, and Jason Todd, who is Red Hood, um, he is captured by the Jokers. Again, he's beat with a, uh, a crowbar, which is reminiscent of murder in a family. And, um, yeah. So, and then there's this whole thing with Joel Chill that comes into play. And if you don't know who Joe Chill is, Joe Chill is the guy that actually shot Thomas and Martha Wayne. And if you don't know who Thomas and Martha Wayne are, that is Batman's parents. So they are building up because I believe that next issue is the finale. I think it's only a three-parter. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good. And I don't know how they're going to wrap it up in one, one more issue. But I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm trying to think of what I can say because I really don't want to spoil it that much. It, it was... Uh, Go, whether you go and you buy it at a comic book shop, if they're still, if they're, if they're open, go buy it at a comic book shop. If they're not available, go to Comicology, or I think you can buy it off of, of DC app too, and go buy it and enjoy it. Because it's one of those rare comics that are so enjoyable, and I don't think that they really produce comic books this way anymore. And uh, I, I'm going to, I think after this run, I may go back and look at the other Black Label titles that they are offering. If that's the type of writing that is being offered at the current moment. Okay, gang. So we are taking that final turn to the end of the show. And this week, we are jumping into a totally different direction for Toy of the Week. Now, again, if you are brand new, uh, a good friend of mine, Mario Martinez, introduced me into uh, collecting action figures. I personally collect Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger, uh, NECA action figures. I really enjoy it. I'm stuck on number four, 
because for some reason number four Freddy's are like impossible to find. But I will find one eventually. At one point, I will find it, and then I can move on. I I'm I'm OCD that way. I I had one, then I bought two, and then I bought the video game because the video game came after two, and then I bought three, and that's where I'm at right now. So now I need four, but I can't find it. And I can't buy five until I buy four because I have that OCD thing. So there you go. All right. So this week uh, we always go, and this is not a paid endorsement. This is just uh, a personal review um, because this is where I buy my stuff. I just recently bought a friend uh, a surprise that is on the way. And I bought it here at the Big Bad Toy Store, and I they they've always – done me good so i have no problem promoting them for the reason of only promoting uh, because they do a good job and they deserve it so I, every week i go to the big bad toy store and i find out what they got and what tickles my fancy and we've been kind of circling around uh as far as between like action figure fantasy and, and comic books now i will probably say for the next few weeks it will probably be horror-based because we are heading into Halloween. Um, in fact, I am probably going to be covering more Halloween-y type stuff. And, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's that time of the month, or time of the year, rather. And whether you are celebrating Halloween or you are like myself and plan on protesting the living, it's uh, it's a fun time of the year. Uh, so let me go ahead. I'm, I'm kind of digressing here. This month, or this month, good grief, this week, we are tackling an old classic. And I was saying this earlier. I, I showed a, my friend the uh, this character, and, and she got crack out of it. And it is Godzilla! Six-inch Godzilla! Action Burst! By NECA. Now, after I say this... Um, if that offends you, I do apologize. Uh, I, I know some Asian people and, uh, I don't think it would as far as Asian wise. Uh, in fact, um, one of the Asian people that I'm thinking of right now, my little girl's called grandpa. Seriously. So, um, but I do apologize if, if that's offensive. But you come up in my time, and that's the way you say Godzilla. You don't go Godzilla. You go Godzilla! And then you move your mouth, because then that makes it funnier. Because, you know, it's a voiceover. Okay, anyway, Six Cents Godzilla. Uh, it's by NECA, which, you know, I, I always try to go NECA as possible, because they make the best. It is uh, old school Godzilla. He is breathing the blue flame of fire. Which, uh, again, my friend was cracking up. She's like, what is that going out of his mouth? I'm like, it's the blue flames, you know, you know from like old school. And um, it's, it's just really cool. It's, uh, oh, look at that. It's, the box is even written in Japanese. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. I, I'm, I'm nerding out here on, on air. Um so let's look down at the product description. NECA continues to celebrate the most famous canoe of all times. This version of the beloved monster is based on Godzilla's atomic blast. Action in 2001 movie, Mothra, the King... What is that? King Goroa? Goroa? I don't know. King of Monsters. All-out attack is spectacular battle between Godzilla... And the most famous foe. This figure stands over six inches tall with the head and tail measuring over 12 long, 12 inches long. It features a removable atomic blast effect, all new paint deco, and over 30 points of articulation, including articulated tail. The featured product is a six inch, 15.24 centimeter tall. And over 12 inches, 30.48 centimeters long. 
from Godzilla, Mothra, and King Goha, Go Garoa? I don't know. Sorry, guys. Uh, over 30 points of articulation, including the tail, features a removable atomic blast effect. Box contents carries Godzilla, the figure itself, and the atomic blast effect. And, of course, it is from NECA. Uh, standard grades, this is a brand new and in mint box condition. Packaging is case fresh, but may have flaws suitable to display in package or opening. Now, it is, I'm going to hit you with this, because we are running out of time, and that's why I'm going a little bit fast. Uh, it is currently in stock. It is not a pre-order as of this moment, and it is running at $29.99. And then, of course, you can have collector shipping which is four bucks more, or you can go with substandard, which is zero. Uh, damaged is unavailable. Yeah, literally, you can literally go that route, and um, yeah, that's crazy, huh? And I don't know if I said this or not, but uh, standard is four dollars shipping, so pretty much thirty-seven bucks out the door. <sighs> and this is another good one. Uh, it, it's just I like. It makes me think of when I was a kid because I was like, you notice when you're a kid, you don't think about, uh, you know, cardboard towns or anything like that or person in a suit, rubber suit. You're just like, oh, you know, you're all engrossed into it. And that, that kind of is what I'm getting out of it. I, I get that it's it's off of the 2001 Godzilla figure, but I don't know. I, just, I get an old school feel out of it. So there you go, Big Bad Toy Store product slash product slash variation details slash 52994. And you can go and buy this bad boy all for yourself, or you could go and give it for a present. All right, gang, I want to thank you all for coming in this week. Uh, I know, like I said, this, is a, this was a double whammy. And uh, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed the talk with Kyle. I enjoy coming back and talking with you guys and covering all the geek news. Uh, come back next week and we will do it again in regular standard form as I tackle one movie, one TV, one cartoon, one comic book, and then send you home with Toy of the Week. So for this week, for my public life as an American nerd, I am David K. Montoya. And as always, I bid you adieu. Adieu.